the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and I want to welcome you uh, to another live stream here from our studios. With me here in studio right now, our dear brother Sam Shamoon. And uh, we are going to do the two parts, uh, as always. Uh, the first 24 minutes or so will be for my podcast, Let Us Reason. And I want to welcome now those who are listening to the podcast, Let Us Reason. Uh, you are joining us uh, into a special episode where we have a live audience right now on our Facebook page, alfadi.sira, and also our YouTube channel, Sira International. And uh, we will have part two which uh, for our, of course, podcast audience will be next week. But for our live audience, it will be immediately following this part at the conclusion uh, of this particular episode. Now, today's topic uh, has to do with whether Muhammad and the prophets, for that matter, according to the teaching of Islam, were sinless. In fact, there is a doctrine that was, in my view, was invented at a later time, or at least it was progressively uh, interpreted or reinterpreted at a later time called the doctrine of Isma, meaning that the prophets are immune from mistakes. In fact, even if they do uh, sin or mistakes, somehow they are forgiven. And that's the doctrine that we will be talking about right now. Sam, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, you gave me the idea yesterday during the live stream when we mentioned it. Yeah. So um, walk us through this particular doc uh, doctrine, obviously for the benefit of those uh, who are unfamiliar with it. I am personally, of course, someone who grew up believing in it when, exactly. in fact, it's not even mentioned in yeah, the Quran. Amazing, right, what you were taught? Yeah. But you know it's our habit. We always praise our trying God, ask for his blessing. So we praise the God and Father of our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we beseech the Father for the glory of his Son, his heart who became flesh, his beloved, the Lord Jesus, to anoint you and me Amen. and fill us with the Holy Spirit and guide us by the Holy Spirit to speak truth without error so that Muslims will see the truth and the body of Christ will be strengthened and fall more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way for your glory, Father, Son, and Spirit, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> As you mentioned, the doctrine of Masum Isma, that means that the prophets were miraculously protected by Allah from committing major sins. Now, I have heard Muslim scholars say that they could make minor mistakes. Minor sins, they're not really sins, they're like mistakes and fractions because a prophet cannot possibly commit a major sin because that would call into question the reliability, credibility, integrity of the prophets. So this doctrine arose centuries later, and I suspect the doctrine arose primarily in order to make Muhammad more comparable to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> because as Christians who believe in the Holy Bible, 
We don't believe <clears throat> that prophets or apostles or those inspired by the Spirit to communicate the revelations of God <clears throat> were impeccable, meaning that they were sinless by nature. They were infallible in that when the Holy Spirit inspired them to speak God's words or to write it down, he worked in them in such a way that they did so without error. But as far as their own personal lives are concerned, they were prone to committing sins like any of us do. So, I acknowledge sin. <clears throat> I mean, Isaiah acknowledged he's a sinner. Woe to me. That's right. All throughout Scripture. Yeah. Now, that's the Holy Bible. That's God's true word. We don't believe the Quran is the word of the true God. We don't believe all of the Quran is the all of the Bible. But it may shock even Muslims to hear that the Quran itself agrees with the Bible that the major prophets of the Bible, which are mentioned in the Quran, even though their stories are garbled, convoluted. Right, you're pointing at my shirt. No, 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 no. I was like this guy, he does some, <laughs> guys just, he does some, like, It's you know, almost like baseball, tricks. you know, coach, you know, when you He's touch like, and you right, send hey, signals, hey, you know? I want to try to make you look good because you're single and you're ready to mingle. But no, anyway. The Quran, <laughs> the Quran and the narration say that the major prophets, because if you go to the Quran, chapter 33, verse 7, there are five prophets, one of whom is a false prophet, Muhammad. We don't believe Muhammad is a true prophet. <clears throat> but the five major prophets and messengers in Islam happen to be <clears throat> Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad. And those five are explicitly mentioned in chapter 33, verse 7. And Islam actually labels them as the five messengers who are very strong-willed, very strong in their resolve. And so they're not just prophets, they're messengers. And again, I don't want to belabor the point, so I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible without confusing the audience because I, I, don't, I don't want to assume that everyone here knows Islam. Let's assume that we have some new people who are just tuning in and learning about Islam for the first time. In Islam, <clears throat> there's a distinction between a messenger and a prophet. Muhammad is a prophet and a messenger. Jesus is a prophet and a messenger. Moses is a prophet and a messenger. Abraham is a prophet and a messenger. And Noah <clears throat> would be a messenger and therefore would be a prophet. Why? Because in Islamic theology, a messenger is necessarily a prophet. So if you're a messenger, you're a prophet. But a prophet is not a messenger. Because in the Quran, in chapter 22, verse 52 of the Quran, it makes a distinction between messenger and prophet. Now, the Quran doesn't tell us what that distinction is. Later Islamic theology filled in the gaps. The holes in the narrative. Holes. And, and you'll notice, folks, that there is, and, and Sam is not kidding, there is always progressive improvement that takes place. 100%. Yeah. The later Muslim tradition fleshes out the Quran, improves on the Quran, and actually contradicts the Quran in many areas. Now, in later tradition, a prophet is someone that would receive commands from God and pass it on to their respective communities. But a messenger does more than that. He is a prophet in that he's, he hears from God, receives commands from God, but he's also given a scripture, a written code of life, a divine legislation, and a messenger can do something that a prophet cannot do. A messenger can actually abrogate commands given by a messenger that came before him, even a prophet. A prophet can't do that. So that's Islamic theology. So these five are messengers and prophets. Now we recognize four out of the five. We recognize Noah as someone that God spoke through and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abraham, Moses, and our Lord Jesus Christ. But Muhammad is a false prophet, a false messenger. But be that as it may, 
Muslims will be shocked to hear that the Quran ascribes sins to all five with the exception of Jesus. So it's really four. The Quran goes out of its way to condemn Muhammad as a sinner, a capricious, double-minded, immoral sinner whose God is seen threatening repeatedly if he doesn't get his act together. We're going to look at some of those passages. The Quran also says Moses sinned, Abraham sinned, Noah sinned. The only one among those five is Jesus. Now, there are some objections along the way, but let's look at some of the evidence, maybe with the time we have. I'm going to start with Adam, and I'm just going to quote some of the Quranic references, and we'll spend some time on Muhammad, and maybe in the second part, God willing, we'll focus exclusively on the absolute sinlessness, purity of Jesus, and his blessed mother, which is shocking because the Quran not only acknowledges that Jesus is sinless, but his blessed mother is actually sinless. She was sinless, purified from conception until Allah took her to heaven, because the Quran does allude to the assumption of Mary. In chapter 23, verse 50 of the Quran. But let's begin. Was Adam sinless? Absolutely not. Here you go. In chapter 20 of the Quran, verses 120 to 121. Now, the versification may be different, because some older translations followed a different versification from modern translations. So, if you don't find this particular versification in your English translation, look earlier in that chapter or a little later a few verses earlier or later but it's in that general area chapter 20 verse 120 to 121 it says but satan whispered evil to him adam right and the result they both ate of the tree thus did adam disobey his lord and went astray very powerful language isn't it thus did adam disobey his lord and went astray And then, interestingly, in chapter 7, verses 189 to 190 of the Quran. See, the Quran is quite incoherent, unintelligible. If you read chapter 7, verse 189 and 190, it's clearly referring to Adam and Eve, the first human couple. But now notice, it attributes the sin of shirk to Adam and Eve. Because in chapter 7, verse 189 to 190, let me read it. He it is who did create you from a single soul single nephs, and therefore did make his mate, well, that's obviously Adam, right? His mate, that he might take rest in her. And then later on it says, but when we gave to them, Adam and Eve, a goodly child, they described unto him partners, uh, uh, Shuraka, 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 Shuraka. I have a hard time speaking English. Now you want me to speak Croatia Arabic? I know, and give me one second. Uh, Moderators, uh, please uh, help um, what's uh, the name? Uh, Ikram, I guess, uh, the name. Or um, uh, l- let me see the name again. I'm, I'm trying to see. That's Abrar Ikram. Ikram. Yeah, please help Abrar Ikram by putting Abrar Ikram on timeout because we don't need the dumb arguments that Abrar Ikram is bringing over here. Thank you. Keep saying something yeah. stupid and we're going yeah, to embarrass your prophet, Abrar. We're going to show your prophet was a rapist. Uh, who treated women as prostitutes and whores because he uh, did... We know the called, games. They come here they yeah. to play games and distract so, from the topics. What's unjust and unfair is the fact that your God, Allah, gave your prophet the license to rape married women, Surah Tanisa, chapter 4, verse 24, to lust after his adopted son's wife, that's chapter 33, verse 37 of the Quran, and also to treat women as prostitutes, as whores, by <clears throat> permitting what is known as Zawj al-Muta, 
where a Muslim can go to a woman and say, I'm going to marry you for three days and then divorce you and pay you money. Now, if you're going to talk about unjust, you don't get more unjust and wicked and filthy than your, than your prophet and his God because he did this in the name of your God. So your God makes Satan look holy by comparison. Unless you want to admit that your God is Satan, may the Lord Jesus grant you repentance leading to life. Amen. See, be forewarned, Abrar. I know you don't care about your prophet and you don't care about your Quran because there are holes in the narrative. But your wicked, filthy, satanic book, this book inspired by Satan, this book of porn and filth and immorality that you call holy, in chapter 6, verse 108, tells you quite clearly, 6, verse 108, Abrar, try to st spend less time kissing and smooching the black stone and focusing on what your Quran says in 6, verses 108. 6, verse 108, it says, Do not mock their gods, lest in their ignorance they insult Allah. Since you just attacked our God, saying he's unjust, I'm going to have a field day humiliating your God and his wicked, immoral prophet. So now respect yourself and your deen and follow that passage before I end up having to punish Allah and his messenger for your sin. Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. He's been warned now, right? Absolutely. Okay, now let's go back to that passage. It says that Adam and Eve committed shirk. Now, I wish I had time to unpack the story because it's an interesting story. Because again, the Quran is incoherent, unintelligible babble. It makes statements that apart from recourse to the Hadith or the Islamic commentators, you can't make heads or tails out of much of what it says. For example, when it says that he made us from a single soul, that seems to be Adam. And then he made from him his mate. And then he gave them a goodly child. I mean, clearly Adam, right? But then it says they ascribe partners to Allah. That's the sin of shirk. So not only did Adam disobey his Lord and go astray by eating of the forbidden tree, but here it says him and Eve committed shirk. Shirk is a sin of associating partners to Allah, which is unforgivable. In Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48, and chapter 4, verse 116, we are told that if you ascribe partners with Allah knowingly, and they knew because they knew Allah, Allah will not forgive you. So now I'm confused. Does that mean, according to the Quran, Adam and Eve are in hell? Yeah. Well, but we'll, we'll impact it. Now, what about Noah? Here we go. Noah, this comes from chapter 11, verses 45 to 47 of the Quran. Chapter 11, verses 45 to 47. And Noah called upon his Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, surely my son is my, of my family and should have been saved. Now, the context is the flood. For some weird, strange reason... The Quran says that one of Noah's sons, one of Noah's sons, doesn't tell us what the names of those sons happen to be, decided not to go onto the ark, decided to go on top of a mountain, decided not to enter the ark, and decided to rebel against Allah, and Allah killed them by drowning. That's right. That's what the Islamic uh, version is. I don't know if the Christians are aware of this. The Islamic version says not all of Noah's sons survived. One of Noah's sons refused to embark into the ark and went on a mountain to save himself from the flood, and Allah killed him dead in the flood. So let me read what Noah says to Allah on behalf of his son and what Allah responds. Okay, surely he is of my son, my family should be saved. He, Allah said, Noah, he is not of thy family, for his conduct is unrighteous. So ask not of me that of which you have no knowledge. Don't ask me what you're ignorant of. Don't tell me he's your son. I give you counsel, lest you act like the ignorant. So he rebukes Noah for praying for his son's salvation. 
So what does Noah say? And Noah said, Oh my Lord, I do seek refuge with you, lest I ask you for that of which I have no knowledge. And unless you forgive me and have mercy on me, I will be of the lost. Does that sound like he thinks he's sinless? I don't know, man. <laughs> Does that sound like it's uh, like he thinks he's sinless? Now, Abraham. Abraham. What about Abraham? Did he also realize he's a sinner who needed to be forgiven? Chapter 14, verse 41 of the Quran. Or, or our Lord. This is Abraham, supposedly. Now, again, for the record, none of these speeches are the actual speeches of these historical prophets. That's right. The true history of the prophets is in the Holy Bible. This is a satanic counterfeit. But we're just quoting it for the sake of Muslims who think that these are the speeches of the prophets of God, even though they're not. So, Abraham is reported to have said, Our Lord, forgive me and my parents and believers on the day when the account is cast. Now again, chapter 26 of the Quran, verse 77, and then 81 to 82. Chapter 26 of the Quran, verses 77, and verses 81 to 82. Not so the Lord and cherisher of the worlds, who will cause me to die and then give me life. Now notice what Abraham says. And who I hope, I hope will forgive me my sin on the day of judgment. So two things. He acknowledges he has sins that need to be forgiven. That's right. And secondly, he can only hope. Yeah, I mean, uh, Abraham summarized everything about uh, Islamic theology. You just hope. Yeah, so no assurance. Right. I don't know if Allah will forgive. So I have sins that need to be forgiven, but I'm not certain whether Allah will forgive me. I hope he'll forgive me on that day. Wait, didn't Muhammad say the same thing in yes. chapter 46, uh, verse 9? Yes, exactly. I don't know what will be done to me, with me or with you. I am only a messenger of your Lord, so follow me. So you want me to follow you in your confusion? Right? At least he's honest. Yeah, hey, man, look, I'm confused, but hey, no one better than me to follow because you won't find someone who's better at being confused than me. I'm the best yeah. of all those who are confused, yeah. even though Allah is the best of all deceivers. Now, what about, be upon him. Yes. Now, what about Moses? Let's read about Moses here. Moses, this is chapter 28, verses 15 to 16. Chapter 28, verses 15 to 16. And he, Moses, ent entered the city. 28 verses 15 to 16. And he, Moses, entered the city and found two men fighting, one of his own sect and the other of his foes. Now the man of his own sect appealed to him against his foe, and Moses struck him with his fist and finished him off. I like how the Quran describes it. Finished him off like a UFC match. You made him tap. <laughs> then he said, this is the work of Satan, for he is a clearly misleading enemy. He prayed. Now notice Moses is praying. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I have indeed wronged my soul forgive me and he forgave him for he is the forgiving one the most merciful so clearly even moses realized he needed to be forgiven of the sin what about david and solomon who are not among the five mightiest but still they are important figures here let's see what david says now interestingly this is an allusion to the story of of david and Bathsheba. As confirmed by Islamic tradition like Tabari. Now, maybe in future sessions we'll do a whole series on this, but for the sake of time, for sake of brevity, chapter 38, verses 21 to 25, here's what David is reported to have said. Has the story of the disputants reached you? Behold, they climbed over the wall of the private chamber. When they entered in front of David, they said, Don't be afraid, we are two disputants. Decide now between us with truth. This man is my brother. He has 90 
nine U's, nine and ninety-nine U's, nine and ninety U's, uh, old English, and I have one U. And he ha- he says, entrust her to me, and he is harsh to me in speech. He said, David said, he has undoubtedly wronged you in demanding your U to be added to his U's. Not so do those who believe and do good works, and they are few. And David guessed that we had tried him, we were testing him. And he asked forgiveness of his Lord, and he fell down prostrate and repented. So we forgave him this. This is an allusion to 2 Samuel 11 and the story of Nathan the prophet to David in 2 Samuel 12. And David realized this story was aimed at him. So he realized that Allah was rebuking him for his sin. So he asked Allah to forgive him of his sin, and Allah forgave him. Now, what about Solomon? Let's go to the story of Solomon. Chapter 38, verse 35. Chapter 38, verse 35. And maybe we'll conclude this part with Solomon. Yes, and Solomon says, O my Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of what? We're not told. And then the final story, let me give you Jonah, because we got a few more minutes. Jonah, chapter 37, verses 142 to 144. And I won't read all of it, I'll just read the relevant part. Chapter 37, verses 142 to 144, and chapter 2187. Chapter 2187, Jonah. As the fish swallowed them, it says he was blameworthy. So the narrator says he was blameworthy, and had it not been one of those who glorify Allah, he would have stayed in its belly till the day when they are raised. And then 2187, he, Jonah, cried out in the darkness, saying, There is no God save you. Glory to you. Indeed, indeed, I have been one of the oppressing transgressors. I'm one of the Zalamin. Zalimun, Zalimin. Zalimin. There you go. Exactly. Well... Uh, thank you, Sam, as always. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, we are going to be concluding our uh, podcast, Let Us Reason, part one, pretty shortly here. Uh, I will be remiss if I don't acknowledge uh, the comment by our brother from Nigeria, uh, Bulus Asoga Samson, who says, we love you from Nigeria, but we really need you people to pray for us here in Nigeria. Nigerian Christians, more especially northern Christians, are feeling the heat of this government Please pray for us. Well, brother, why don't you pray for uh, the persecution that has taken place among all Christians in the world uh, in general? Yes. Father, we come in the matchless, glorious, sovereign, almighty name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, asking your Holy Spirit to take over this prayer, Father. And I ask that you cleanse our motives, our hearts, and the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, so that this prayer, by your Holy Spirit, moving us to pray in accord with your will, will be pleasing to you and acceptable to you, because a part from the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing we do can delight your heart. So, Father, for the sake of your children, the spiritual body of your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the persecuted church, Father, we ask, pour out your Holy Spirit mightily and sovereignly upon the Christians in Nigeria and in every part of the world where Christians are persecuted, where Christians are attacked, where Christians are being murdered, enslaved, because they love the Lord Jesus, your Son. Father, we ask that you give them miraculous divine protection. Surround them with your holy angels, your mighty angelic warriors. Surround, Surround them with a wall of fire from your glorious sovereign Holy Spirit and fill them with such faith such love, such confidence, such trust in Jesus Christ that the threat of violence, of death, of imprisonment will not sever them from the love of Jesus Christ. The love you have for them in Jesus Christ will not sever them from their union with Jesus Christ. Father, fill them with a peace 
in spite of this persecution that surpasses all understanding. Remind them that Christ is risen, that death is a door through which we enter, and the suffering is temporary Amen. because this suffering pales in comparison to the glorious riches that await them in heaven, the crown of righteousness that awaits them in heaven, the martyr's crown that the Lord Jesus will award them for loving Jesus more than this life. When we ask that you fill them with power and love and conviction and faith, and Father, we ask that you give us the same grace that when persecution comes to us, we too will stand firmly like the mighty prophets of the Bible, like the holy apostles and their companions, like Paul and the early church fathers, whom you filled with the Holy Spirit to be fed to the lions, to be crucified, to be beheaded, to be burned alive, and never recanting, but accepting such persecution with all joy, because they know that Jesus is alive. He has destroyed the power of sin, Satan, death, and the grave, and that if we die, we enter his presence, where we will be with him forever, awaiting his return to the earth to raise our bodies, uniting them with our spirits, making us immortal, destroy our fears, our doubts, and our unbelief, and give us faith in you to move mountains, Father. Because you are God. You are real. You live. You are alive. Jesus is risen. The Holy Spirit is alive in us. And the Bible is your living word. Bless your church, Father. Bless your church, Lord Jesus. Bless your church, Holy Spirit. And count us worthy to stand as warriors of the faith, and if we must, to die for you. Because you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you, brother. And this concludes our uh, first part of the podcast, Let Us Reason. Thank you so much for joining us here. Catch us next week.